Hello, and welcome to the Imagineer Podcast, your unofficial guide to all things Disney. I'm your host, Matthew Krull, and this is episode number 38 of the Imagineer Podcast. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about the best Q-Line experiences at Walt Disney World. Because let's be honest, to most guests, visiting Walt Disney World and waiting in line can be such a hassle. But if you're a true Disney fan, and I know that all of you listening are those true Disney fans, you not only will tolerate waiting in line, but actually appreciate the queue experiences at Walt Disney World. And that includes myself as well. There are a lot of times that I actually prefer to wait in the standby queue. Now, of course, if there's going to be a a four hour wait, for the many adventures of Winnie the Pooh, I might not wait in that queue, but if it's going to be a 60-90 minute wait for a flight of passage, I might actually opt to do the standby queue instead of doing FastPass because, as you know, the Imagineers put so much thought and effort and detail into designing the queue experiences at Walt Disney World, so it's not like going to your local amusement park and waiting in a switchback line for an everyday attraction. It really is part of the story that really transitions you from your from the land that you're in over to the attraction experience for whatever attraction you're deciding to ride. So again, in today's episode, we're going to be talking about our favorite queue experiences at Walt Disney World. I have a new guest on the show, and I will introduce her in just a minute. At the end of the show, I will then come back and, of course, tell you a little bit more about how you can connect with the Imagineer podcast on all of our social media channels and how you can help to inspire and create the future of this show. So grab some headphones, Pull up your favorite armchair and enjoy this episode of the Imagineer Podcast. For the average Disney guest, you'll find that waiting in line is one of those things that nobody wants to do. They will complain that attractions have an hour or longer wait and they just want to get from one attraction to the next attraction to the next attraction and just finish Disney as quickly as possible. But if you talk to a lot of true Disney fans, they'll think of the, not the line, but the queue as part of the attraction experience. And that's because the Imagineers do go out of their way, especially recently, to make the queue and especially for those long lines, uh, to make the queue a part of that entire experience. So today we're gonna talk about our favorite Disney queues, the ones that make us feel a sense of appreciation for what the Imagineers do to create those stories and those experiences for us. And I do have a new guest on the show who's never been on the show before, of course. Um, And her name is Alessa, better known as that Disney girl or that Diz girl. So welcome to the show, Alessa, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I know we're both in a bit of a cold spell in our respective cities. <laughs> <laughs> um, so for those who don't know you um, or don't follow you on social media, uh, what, you know, tell tell the listeners just a little bit about yourself and um, about the, the channel that you manage, which I know is still kind of new. Yeah, cool. So my name's Alessa. Um, I'm from Toronto and I've loved Disney ever since I could imagine. And um, I, I used to always listen to like Disney podcasts and other Disney YouTubes. Uh, eventually, I started thinking like, oh, I wanna, I wanna be more a part of that scene. So 
Um, only recently I started up a Disney Instagram page, which is underscore that Diz girl. And then my main goal was to start a YouTube channel where I would like talk about different Disney things that like my opinions, things that are going on in the parks and just, just things that I like to talk about when I'm thinking about Disney. So I started that and that's that Disney girl. And it's really, really fresh and new, but I tried to go into it with like, um, like an educated and professional sense into it. So hopefully, hopefully it takes off, but it's, it's just, it's a really fun thing that I've been, I've been doing and it really keeps the Disney in my life when I'm not at the park. So that's awesome. I know the feeling because again, being from New York, we're not too far from each other uh, geographically. Even though it's two different countries, we're practically both at the border of uh, Canada and the U.S. Uh, The only way I could be closer if I was in Buffalo. But uh, the I've checked out some of your videos already, and I I definitely have to say that it does come across as professional and passionate. And you do have a very good production for your YouTube videos, especially. So keep up the the good work with what you're doing there. Um, did you always go to Disney growing up or is it something that you just fell in love with as an adult or a a teenager? I mean, like when did that passion for Disney really start? Um, my family has always had like a really strong passion for Disney. So I, the first time I went, I was like almost two years old. Um, and then we kind of went every year since, and we, as a family, we still go every year since, but, um, since maybe I was like when I was, became a teenager, I started to really like it a lot more. And then I started to actually look at like the history of things and the history of different rides and, um, just, just all different, just other things aside from just enjoying the parks, trying to look at things while I wasn't at the parks. And then definitely once I started to get more into my twenties, I was like, Ooh, this is becoming a real obsession, isn't it? And I started (laughs) multiple times a year and, um, then I wanted to do it even more. So then I started the channel. So, um, yeah, it's, I think it's like on, it's like a snowball effect. I didn't think it would come to this point cause it, I, it wasn't this strong when I was a kid, but, uh, it's, it's weird that like, I like it more now than when I was a child, which is when you would think you would like Disney more, but it's the way it happened. <laughs> it happened the same for me. Honestly, when I did the Disney college program, a lot of people and my parents included thought that maybe that would be it that I would just be in that environment all day, every day. And it would be like a job and I'd come home and I'd be tired of it. But you're right. It's like, it's a snowball effect. It was completely the opposite. I just loved it even more after doing the Disney college program. And then it just, it it keeps accelerating. (laughs) Yeah. It's weird. My mom said the same thing. She's like, do you think it's going to die out for you? Like it's getting kind of big. I was like, I don't know. I don't think so at this point. It just keeps going. Yeah. (laughs) Um, well, that's wonderful. I, and I, I'm glad you, your family still goes every year. It's a nice tradition to keep up. Uh, cause I feel like uh, when I got to be a little bit older, like as soon as I hit 20, that was kind of it. My family stopped taking Disney trips and I started going with my friends and, uh, then I rarely go with my parents or, you know, cousins anymore, except for occasionally a big, gathering celebration because we are all Disney fans, but we're not, uh, you know, like all hopping on a plane together and, and going to Disney the same way we used to, which happens, but, um, it's, I'm glad to see that you still keep that family tradition alive. Um, so I do have some frequently asked questions for new guests that I do want to ask you as well, starting with, first of all, have you been to Disneyland in addition to Walt Disney world or just Walt Disney world so far? I've been to Disneyland, but only twice. And it's been a little bit since since I've been, so I'm not as knowledgeable on that. But 
that's what YouTube's for, I guess. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's definitely what it's for. And I mean, fortunately, today we'll just talk about Walt Disney World, but uh, I was curious to know. So between all the parks that you've been to, what is your favorite Disney park? Um, Right now, it's Animal Kingdom. You're the only other person besides me who said that, so <laughs> high five for that. It's <laughs> amazing. Like, in the past few years, and like it's the mo- I think it's the most, like, well-rounded park and it just has really great attractions so as of lately that's been that's been my favorite park i've had the best times every time i go there yeah joe roadie is a genius and it shows and the work that mm-hmm. what you see in the park um it, it is very rich what about your favorite disney attraction um carousel of progress that's amazing my favorite that's amazing yeah it's <laughs> I mean, it's like it's. I think it's good also to have a favorite attraction that you never really have to wait for. So, so um, every time I go, I can get on the ride. It's one of those underrated attractions. If you're a Disney fan, uh, let me rephrase. If you know Carousel of Progress, you're definitely a Disney fan. If you don't know and you've never been and you don't even know what park it's in, you probably are not a huge Disney fan. <laughs> um, at least if you don't, if you you know, if you've never been on it, that's one thing. But if you never even heard of it. Um, that's another thing altogether, but that's awesome. Uh, do you have a favorite Disney resort? Um, as of lately, I, I like vis- visiting the Poly. Um, just because I like, I, I just like anything with like a beach sort of resort. I just stayed at Caribbean Beach, and um, that, it looks really good with the refurbishment. So I liked that one too. But uh, I, I liked staying at the Poly too. That was that was fun. It was like nice and relaxing and. Um, they have really good food there, so I'm a fan. <laughs> I have to go since they refurbished. It's uh, I usually for the moderate resorts it doesn't show up at the top of my favorites. My favorites usually like Port Orleans, French Quarter, or Riverside. Um, those are actually my top two favorites, and as a backup, Coronado Springs. But Caribbean Beach seems to have really accelerated and grown. So uh, especially with the Riviera Resort being built. So once it's all done, I think I need to go check it out and see what it's like. And once the gondolas are done too. Oh yeah. Yeah. What about switching into movies? Do you have a favorite Disney movie? I yeah. leave it very open to like anything you want to say. So, cause I know this. I feel like hundreds. this one is like everyone said it before. I don't think I'm going to deviate from the norm, but um, Beauty and the Beast has always been my favorite. If like, if I could ever, if I ever, if I was tall enough, I would want to work um, as Belle. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> in some sort of way. But uh, yeah, I, I, I love Beauty and the Beast ever since I was little. It's, it's I, one of the things that got me into like, because I also enjoy theater. It was like how I merged probably two of my passions. So I, yeah, love it. <laughs> it's classic Disney, uh, or at least classic Disney Renaissance. I think older people, when they hear that it's classic Disney, they think like they get a, mild, uh, a minor heart attack. <laughs> so like classic Disney is really like Snow White and Peter Pan and Cinderella, but uh, it's part of the you know classic Disney Renaissance films. Uh, do you have a favorite Disney character? Mm. That one's definitely the hardest of all the questions. Yeah, there's I so many think of those. Right now, I think I'm really feeling Simba. Oh, <laughs> that's funny. I literally <laughs> took a drink of my my Lion King mug with uh, Simba on it. As you said that, that's hilarious. Sorry, that was I didn't even I didn't see that before I said it. But. <laughs> um, yeah, great. I just have been really into the Lion King lately, so I've been loving Simba. That's awesome. Um, and 
it comes from my favorite movie, so that's another another plus. But uh, that's that's always a, a that's a really great answer. I haven't heard anybody say Simba before. So cool. I think that gives everybody a better idea of you know your Disney fandom and uh, mm-hmm. and uh, you know so your D- Disney history. So with all that being said, let's talk about the queues at Walt Disney World um, yeah. because there are a lot. Every attraction has a queue. Um, Carousel of Progress's queue might be a little shorter than some yeah, of the that others. That doesn't make my list of favorites. <laughs> um, even though it's my favorite ride, but uh, that's okay. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Just it comes with the territory. And some of my favorite attractions. I was thinking even like the Enchanted Tiki Room. I it does have a queue, but it's not exactly. It's really just you go straight into the pre-show and then, yeah, and then the uh, the main attraction. So I'll let you go first because. You know, I always let us go first. Um, I have my list. You have your list. I know we haven't really. I'm excited to see what your answers are because we haven't spoken about any of this ahead of time. Um, so, what is from any park sort of that first queue that comes to mind as your favorite uh, Walt Disney World queue? Um, it's this is the one that like blew me away. Probably the first time I started appreciating. I think everyone, a lot of people would agree with it at Tower of Terror. Of course. Um, I just think, yeah, it's, it's such a good queue. It's like so well-themed. Um, I used to think maybe before you got into the actual hotel itself that it wasn't as grand, but now looking at it, it's like the landscaping is just so well done and just, it's, it's so awesome to, to go into it and see that. And then once you get into, um, the hotel, it's so great. I was, before I was doing some uh, research on just like the attraction uh, attraction itself for um, a video. And I thought it was so cool. Like the Imagineers literally like placed where the dust and cobwebs would be. And like cleaners have specific um, like lists on like what to touch and what not to touch. Cause I always wondered that, like, do they clean the cues? I'm sorry. Yeah. Like do they clean the attraction itself just cause it's supposed to look um, abandoned and dirty. So I don't know. I always thought that was so cool that they did that. Um, it, it, I like that it's kind of creepy. Uh, I just thought that's a really awesome aspect and it has one of my favorite, um, pre-shows and it made me start watching the twilight zone. And then once I started looking at like the twilight zone, I started to see how much they took from the twilight zone and put it into the attraction. Just even with like, um, there's like a broken set of glasses that's, uh, in, in the lobby and that comes from an episode and like books in the library that comes from episodes and this like creepy little doll at the end of the ride, uh, on the left side, I, I saw it the last time I went on. Um, that's, that's from an episode. So yeah, all those things I was like, there, the, the detailing is so well done and it really kind of creeps you out, which I think is the goal and not all rides can creep you out from before you even get on the ride. So it really creates really good anticipation and the whole queue caters to the story, which I like. It does. It. I've, I. I actually have been purposefully holding off. Uh, spoiler alert on a Tower of Terror podcast episode because I do want, just like the attraction was so masterfully crafted, I. I feel like a podcast episode also deserves to be masterfully crafted for that attraction. So I'm trying mm-hmm. to get all these pieces together and really think about how to make that episode one of the best and get people to actually say like, Matt, that was probably the best episode. Um, of course now I'm overhyping it before I even get to it, but partly that's because I do love the queue and even going back as far as the sunset Boulevard 
um, starts the queue experience because that first time you turn, not only do you see the Hollywood Tower Hotel at the end of the street and its ominous look and how you can tell there's something off about it. It's very uh, you know, contrasting to Sunset Boulevard, how it has all the glitz and the glamour of Sunset Boulevard. And then you see this ominous, dark, like very abandoned looking building at the end. But then even how on the right, uh, just past where that Starbucks is right now, the Charlie Carr uh, Cafe, there's this old abandoned uh, billboard for the Hollywood Tower Hotel that also hasn't been touched Mm -hmm. in what seems like 80 years. Um, And all these pieces, even before you enter the actual queue, is still part of the queue experience. So you're right. It's one of the most like masterfully crafted attractions for that whole experience. And obviously is one of them that I had on my list, too. Uh, Yeah. That we would probably double on that one. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. It's hard to think of attraction cues and not think of Tower of Terror. I'm sure there's at least three others on here. I can guarantee we have the same answer, but that's okay. Um, and it's funny that that also interested you in the Twilight Zone anthology because I also find that a lot of attractions get me interested in what it was based off of. So Tower of Terror did get me interested in the Twilight Zone too. And yeah. <laughs> uh, next door to it, um, this is actually not one of my answers, but Rock and Roller Coaster, I had heard of Aerosmith, but I was not an Aerosmith fan. I didn't go out of my way to listen to Aerosmith music. I didn't know too much about Aerosmith, except for uh, at the time, I Don't Want to Miss a Thing from Armageddon was popular on the yeah. radio. But other than that, I didn't know. I had heard like Dream On and Walk This Way, but that was kind of it. But after riding that attraction, I became an Aerosmith fan. And I went, I've gone to see their concert twice <laughs> since then, um, just as a result of riding Rock and Roller Coaster. So... So, yeah, I I agree with you completely. I love all those details in Tower of Terror, the queue, the way it builds you into the story very slowly, very gradually. You get this sense that something's off and wrong and that you are going to relive an episode uh, or your very own episode of The Twilight Zone. So I love that answer. So for my first answer, I'm going to go go to something that's probably a little out of left field, but that's how I want to start mine. So... I am going to say for my first favorite cue, the American Adventure. Oh. It's one of those cues that is not formally a cue, right? You just kind of walk into the building and that's it. But I love how you really get the chance to sit and wait and explore the architecture of colonial America and you can take a look at that museum off to your right which they frequently change and says you and I like that about it so if you are especially a local you'll see something new maybe not every time you experience it but if you go every you know few months there's a chance that there might be something that's new or something that's different and then also the fact that in a lot of cases you have the voices of liberty that are going to sing to you while you wait so mm-hmm. Of course, with when you do have to wait for something, you want to be entertained in some way, whether that be by looking at details or by, in a lot of cases, there are now, you know, they've gamified the attraction cues for more of the, the more recent cues or the updates they've made to cues across different attractions. But 
In this one, I find it's definitely one of the most relaxing queue experiences. You have the benches that you can sit on. You can listen to the Voices of Liberty if they happen to be there. At any point, you can leave the queue and get back to your same place uh, without having to lose your place in line. So if you have to run to the restroom before the show starts, you could do that. If you want to grab a a quick bite to eat or more realistically, if you want to grab a like a bottled beverage or something you could take into the theater, then you can grab that from uh, next door or go into the gift shop. So it, it gives you the ability to go back and forth while you wait for the show to begin. And if you do want to spend the entire time exploring, you can. Um, and then I really do love how as soon as you are welcomed into the theater, you're sort of wrapped around the building. So you go up these beautiful escalators with all these amazing flags from American history And you walk around the rotunda from the balcony, and then from there you enter into the theater from the second level. Uh, And to me, it's just one of the most, even though it's probably one of the quickest cues, it's one of the most beautiful. And it gives you, again, that chance to just sit in the air conditioning, relax, move about it as you would like. And it's not the traditional, let's sit and stand in line and move, you know, slowly but surely onto the uh, to the right experience. So a little bit out of left field, but that's that's my first answer for my favorite key experience at Disney. No, I think that's such a good answer. I, I'm, I didn't it didn't even cross my mind to be one. But now that you're talking about it, a lot of my answers or a lot of things when I was going into thinking about like the best cues at Disney was like, um, just for practical reasons, is it like sheltered? Can you get air conditioning in these queues? Like those are just things that people enjoy. So that definitely helps. And, um, the last time I went, uh, to see the show, I guess, uh, it was the, the voices of Liberty were there uh, and just the way that it's constructed, like the, I guess the queue waiting area, um, it creates such an amazing like echo and space to have them sing in there. So, uh, it's it's yeah it's pretty beautiful to hear i was i was it was one of the only times that i've heard the voices of liberty i haven't heard them too many times but um it was one of the first times in many years that i heard them and uh it was it was pretty awesome so that definitely impressed me that's great and uh, i actually i almost uh put the uh put o canada because for similar reasons it's very cool and you get to 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 kind of wait in that uh you know the air conditioning i still love that especially in the summer um and I still do. Uh, and then just that, how you get down into the the uh, the queue area, taking those steps, or if you go around through the gardens, through the waterfalls, it's just really beautiful. But between all of the World Showcase uh, queues, I had to think, putting everything together, including the entertainment factor, that uh, the American Adventure had to be up there. So it's hard to narrow it down to 10, <laughs> yeah. to approximately 10 queues. Uh, but great. What? Um, so you have Tower of Terror for your first one. What else do you have on your list? Okay, um, I'm going to follow you and stick to the World Showcase. Awesome. Um, and this one, I think, okay, I'm just going to say it. Uh, it's the Grand Fiesta Tour. Cool. And my reasoning for this is, I guess, like, the queue itself is just, like, stanchions. There's That, that part's not as interesting. But I think just the fact that it was placed in, like, the Mexico Pavilion in that big temple, it makes it so beautiful and there's so much to look at and the queue is never too long so you're never really waiting there for too much time um and i think your eyes are always occupied um and then i was trying to think like is the temple part of the queue or is it just like the stanchions that are the queue but i think since you can see the ride itself from different parts of the temple like if you're in the restaurant um that to me makes it part of like that it's all kind of cohesive and all included together so um 
yeah, I, I think it just, it's such, it's so well themed in that sort of sense. And, um, I, I love it when I feel like I'm really immersed into a queue and like I'm into an kind of transported into another world and being in the world showcase, it's easier to do that. So I don't have too much to say on it, but yeah, I just, that, that to me is a, I love going on the ride and I love being in that temple. And if I have to stand in the temple for 10 minutes, it's not no sweat off my back. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's interesting. I grand fiesta tour crossed my mind and I didn't, and I, I didn't put it on my list, but part of that is because I didn't think about it the way that you did and thinking of how it is part of this larger, uh, you know, pavilion and absolutely in world showcase, the Mexico pavilion is one of the coolest. Uh, the fact that it's all indoors. And like you said, you have the restaurants, overlooking the ride, the ride overlooking the restaurant, the queue overlooking the restaurant and the ride, and then the rest of the pavilion and the volcano in the back. And it's really a cool, cool pavilion, um, both literally and, you know, as far as just aesthetically how it looks. But um, yeah, that's a, that's an awesome answer. I actually didn't, uh, like I said, I, I thought of it. I didn't put it on my list, um, but uh, I, I also love just Grand Fiesta Tour. So that's uh that's awesome. Um, let me actually should I stay with Epcot? Should I switch? Let me uh, let me stay with Epcot. I'm gonna jump over to Future World though. I do have another World Showcase one, but I'm gonna oh. I'm gonna I'm gonna leave that one for later. Uh, I am gonna jump to Future World though, and sure, most people are going to be waiting in line for the big attractions. Uh, we have. Soren, we have Test Track, and I did consider those cues, but they neither one made my list of my top ten. Uh, instead, one of my favorites is not an E ticket, but maybe a, a C ticket, which is the Seas with Nemo and Friends. Yes. And especially when it first came out, I I think I was I was uh, I was not on the college program, but I was uh, it was just a little bit before then that it was created and I had been on the living seas. I had very, I had these memories of the living seas and that whole queue experience. And then the seas with Nemo and friends really took that to the next level. And I was trying to picture where in the building I was compared to when it was the living seas. But even from the beginning, when you approach it, you hear the, the seagulls, you know, shouting mine, 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 and uh, the waves uh, crashing up against the rocks. And then when you enter that building through the automatic doors and you're on the beach and winding like you would through a queue, but just through these dunes along the beach and then eventually pass this lifeguard stand and then go through a, a hallway where now you're, you're going underneath the pier into the, you know, underneath this, underneath the water. And then you're walking underneath the pier and you see all these projections of fish on the walls as you're winding back and forth. Um, you have the boat up on the ceiling from finding Nemo uh, and eventually make your way over to the Omnimover platform. I think it's such a simple transition. I love, like you said, considering the climate, the fact that it is indoors, it makes it awesome. In fact, there's not many outdoor queues I put as my favorites for that reason. But that whole transition from future world to being, you know, on the beach to under the pier to onto the, your, your uh, clamshell vehicle, it's just a really great transition it's not a very long queue especially now that you do have a lot of attractions at in future worlds including those big ones um so except for those busy weeks of the year it's not a terribly long wait but yeah all those details add up to one of my favorite queues at disney so uh, season with the emo and friends is uh the next on my list 
Yeah, I totally, I agree with you. I, I didn't put it on my list, but it was one that I was like toggling with. Yeah. Um, the last time I went like on the attraction, um, I realized, I think I even like the queue more than the attraction. I even like filmed the whole way through just so I could like watch it back for my own purposes. Yeah. Um, it's awesome. <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting when it, when the queue is better than the attraction. What does that say about the uh, the not about the attraction, but about the queue? Yeah, <laughs> pretty fantastic. And I was thinking, I don't think like I don't. I guess it's not considered part of the queue, but um, just the fact that I feel like it, that that queue kind of has like a beginning and ending of a line, like maybe like the walking out of the attraction, if it would also be considered somewhat part of like the line. Yeah, um, just sure. like the fact that you have all of like the aquariums and all of the underwater things around there. It's so well themed. And I think I agree with you completely, like going from future world into like the, the ocean, it, it really does a really great job. You kind of forget that it's part of future world. Like it's in the same area. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's always good when uh, the imaginers always have to think about that transition. And when it's done so seamlessly, it makes for a much more seamless experience. Um, and just the, it, it, it's more enjoyable that way too. It really does paint the picture of the story um, a lot clearer. So, awesome. What do you have next on your list? Okay, um, I'm jumping out of Epcot. Nice. Uh, and I was trying to think of like what is my favorite cue for a show. Um, and my favorite cue for a show is in Animal Kingdom, and it's tough to be a bug. Oh, I have that on my list too. <laughs> one of the few outdoor cues. I thought it was maybe a bit with <laughs> that one, but then I was like, no, I'm not that clever. <laughs> so it's okay. I guess no, it's, it's actually it. it's actually a very clever answer. <laughs> well, just because if it's I do not, say so myself. <laughs> yeah, it's like right in the center of the park, but it's probably the one of the least popular attractions that um not least popular, but just the, the wait time there is, is never um, too too much. So you can kind of walk into it pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, but it's just awesome. Like you, you get to go basically into the tree of life. It's the closest you're ever going to get into the tree of life. The carvings, there are carvings in the queue that you'll never see unless you go into the queue. So that's awesome. You could see so much detail and just like the fact that when you look up, there's like little holes. So you feel like you're a bug. Um, and so I thought that theming was really awesome. Even when you're waiting in like the room to get into the show. Uh, I love the posters on the walls. Like, like I said, I love beauty and the beast. So there's like a beauty and the bees poster on the wall. So yeah. I, I thought all those things were great. And like the little, you can hear like the bugs in the ceiling kind of like crawling around. And at first I never used to think like, that's just an audio effect. It like creeped me out for a moment, but then I was like, no, Disney's smart. They, <laughs> they put that in to make you feel that way. So yeah, it's, it's, it's such a great cue. Like I said, it's it's definitely one of them that's on my list and did make my top ten, and it's for all those reasons. And I think it is. I have one other cue that's outdoors, but that's other than that, it's again like one of the few cues that I I enjoy waiting outside. And part of that is because, like you said, the wait is really the walk. There's you kind of walk right into the tree of life. And it's disappointing to me when I see a lot of people just looking down. Either it's looking down at their phones or just looking straight ahead. But next time you wait in, uh, you know, you listening at home, next time you wait uh, for it to start to be a bug, take a look up and around because, unless it's to your point, there's 
some incredible views of the tree of life. You never get that close except for in that queue. And all there are these carvings that you're never going to see except in the queue of these different animals. And I do love those posters. And I don't know if you've ever, it's such a random thing to listen to, but the lobby area, like kind of pre-show, you could consider it music for it's tough to be a bug is the bugs like playing, uh, are making their own sounds like buzzing of a bee um, for the or crickets chirping for the different songs from the posters featured. So they have Beauty and the Beast playing um, like these bees buzzing to Beauty and the Beast uh, with the Beauty and the Bees poster right there. And it is you're right. It's like these just these little details that you might not even notice. You might be humming it in your head in the background and not put it together that these are bees buzzing yeah. to a beauty and the bees uh, instead of beauty and the beast in a theater that's supposed to be an almost like Mickey's Philharmonic, like an orchestra uh, type of theater. Um, but it's just bugs putting on a performance for you instead. So yeah, it's, it's such a cool attraction and then even going inside and you're in the middle of the, the tree of life and looking up at the, the size of the theater, it's another uh, cool element to it. So yeah. And even when you just mentioned, um, I didn't even, I guess like it's an outdoor queue and it didn't even cross my mind that it was an outdoor queue. I feel like that says something about it because I always will recognize like, oh, we got to wait outside. It's going to be hot. But like you said, it's a, it's a quick, it's a quick walk more, more so than waiting. And even if I've ever had to wait in that queue, I just feel like it's, it's kind of like wide enough and there's enough to look at that people aren't bunching together. And it's not like you're trying to race to get into the theater people gen generally i think take their time like to to kind of go in there so i don't know i feel like it's one of the more relaxing cues of disney which you don't always get depending on the attraction so that part is a definite plus where you don't feel like you're you're kind of cocooned with a bunch of other sweaty humans pun pun intended (laughs) yeah (laughs) it came out and i was like oh yeah (laughs) i love it that's yeah it's i i totally agree um so for my next one, I'm realizing that all of my outdoor cues are not surprisingly at Animal Kingdom. And I just realized that I technically have three outdoor cues and I didn't even think, again, you think about, it's tough to be a bug, you're not thinking about it being an outdoor queue. Another one, I actually don't think too much about being an outdoor queue, but it kind of is. Um, and I haven't, I haven't put an e-ticket yet, so I'm going to jump to an e-ticket, is... Uh, not surprising. It's Expedition Everest. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, it's, uh, you know, from the time that it came out, I just recognized it as one of the most immersive cues at any Disney park. Um, and I compared it at the time when it did, uh, when Expedition Everest was built. So this is going back more than 10 years, uh, you know, before they really started adding a lot more elements to cues and the interactive elements to cues and, and uh, adding details to the new attractions being built. Um, was I compared it to uh, Indiana Jones Adventure at Disneyland, which I know we're going to talk about Disneyland today, but that one is, is uh, especially considering its age, one of the most like incredible cues that Disney's ever built. Yeah, but, I agree. Um, you know, what I love about Expedition Everest queue is a lot. Um, <clears throat> I love, for, for starters, the level of detail that goes into it. And if you listen to Joe Rohde talk about how they constructed and thought about every element of the attraction, including the queue. It's amazing 
what they put into it. And they were originally going to have it be even more uh, detailed and incredible. And they they realized that it just wasn't going to be that simple or realistic. They originally were looking to the architecture of um, Bhutan. And I don't know if you've you've seen the country uh, or the architecture from the country, but uh, you should definitely check it out because it's, it's incredible. And they did put some elements of Bhutan into the queue, but for the most part, they switched to Nepal because it was a little bit simpler to um, to construct some of those key elements. But even the experience of fast pass versus standby, in both cases, you're going to enter the booking office. But if you have already previously reserved your spot on the train, you're going to bypass a lot of the attraction, get to this small gear shop because the fact that you did reserve your fast pass or your, res- your reservation for the journey ahead of time means you probably also brought your gear with you. But in case there's any last minute gear you didn't pick up, you're going to pass this very small, almost like a convenience store size uh, trek shop or an outdoor stand size trek shop just to get that any of that last minute gear you might have forgotten. And then through a small version of the museum and into the load area for the trains. But then, of course, if you're in the standby queue and you didn't reserve a reservation ahead of time or fast pass ahead of time and you have to wait for an available train, of course, you can have a longer wait. But because of that, you're going to experience so much more. So you go from the booking office off to your left and then you pass this shrine for the Yeti. Um which has a lot of history to it. I do talk about it in my episode about Expedition Everest, but you have the prayer flags that are hanging up. You have the bells, which the in local custom, you're supposed to ring the bell when your prayer is answered Um, around the Yeti. Then you have the full gear shop. You might, if it's the, if it's a very busy day, be stretched into the extended queue and pass the T that's growing, which paints the story of this tea plantation that was turned into Himalayan escapes. Um, but in either case, you then enter the gear shop, which is a more complete gear shop because you didn't book it in advance. You probably don't have all the gear that you need. You're going to want to buy a lot of stuff. Um, your camping gear, your uh, you know all the coats and uh, and attire that you need to stay warm. Um, perhaps some meals that you're going to need to you know keep keep your nutrition up as you're going up the mountain. Um, then into the full museum for the Yeti and then into the the load area. So that whole experience, how they paint the story and the fact that they would, the imaginers actually went to Nepal and bought out entire stores and brought over 2,000 artifacts from Nepal back to Expedition Everest and put them into the queue. You could literally spend an hour in that queue and miss so much because of how much is in there. So for all those reasons, um, forget the attraction itself and how amazing it is, but that to me is one of the best cues that Disney's ever built um, because of that storytelling and all the detail that, and the artistry that goes into designing it, that went into designing it. So. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Like, like I said, it made my list as well. Um, The first time when I was like younger, I feel like I went through the queue and I think a lot of people might do this just, and I didn't take full appreciation to the story that they were telling you and how much like that impacts the ride itself and like tells you, why everything is going the way that it's about to go. Um, and then once I, I started to actually like take notice of everything and, um, 
I, I didn't ever research the like the Q information too much, uh, but I did listen to your podcast on it, and then I started to get a little bit more interested, like in the backstory of everything. Um, and once I started to realize why all the pieces were placed the way they were, I was just I was blown away. They're like like you said, you could spend an hour in that Q and not not catch everything that they did. It's it's so great, and just the something else that I realized was like the lead up to the queue, just like the way that it's all like placed around there. Um, I think it's, it's Circa Zong is like the, the town that you're entering. I maybe I, yeah. I might. No, you're right. right. Okay, cool. Just like, I feel like the, just around the queue right before you even decide to line up, it's kind of, it's all themed to, to match that. So I thought that was really awesome. And another thing that I read, um, a couple weeks ago, I don't know, maybe, maybe this is true. Maybe it's not, but, um, you know how you mentioned there's all like those shrines for the Yeti. Yes. Um, apparently people leave money on there and that money is donated to animal conservation efforts. If like Disney cast members ever find it. So I don't know. I thought that was cool. That's true. A lot of the locations where people leave money, that stuff is that, that stuff, that money is, uh, <laughs> that money is donated to some charity. So yeah, any, any money left behind in animal kingdom is going to be donated to conservation, I believe. And I could be, I could be wrong about this, but last I'd heard people throw a lot of change into it's a small world. And I believe that money is donated to the make a wish foundation. Um, there's just a lot of charity involved. Disney doesn't, they, you know, they don't take the money and pocket it. It's, it's anything that's left behind is all donated to charity, which is incredible. Yeah, that's that. That part was awesome. I just thought it's it's like cool that people leave and leave the money on the shrines. Like, I think it just shows that like people are really taking to the story and like really feeling immersed in it. Um, and I love any time a Disney queue like is setting something up and you feel like the queue is relative to the ride and like the progression of the storyline. So, um, just just the fact that like yeah, you are going on this like um, Himalayan escape. Uh, expedition and just the way that they set that whole thing up. I, th- I think it really makes you excited to get on the ride. Um, and it just the, the fact that they are like telling you about this Yeti and how you should be kind of scared since you're an outsider and the Yeti doesn't really take good to like intruders. Um, it, it gets you excited for the ride. It kind of makes you think like, am I going to see this Yeti or not? If you haven't been on the attraction before. Um, and it, yeah, I think it just it gives you a feeling of the ride before you actually ride the ride, which is which is really awesome. Yeah, you're totally right. It, it's it's part of the part of the experience, um, and you're and you're right that this also <clears throat> the experience starts long before you even enter the queue, um, much like Tower of Terror in the same the same sense. So awesome. What's um, what else do you have on your list? You're going to stick to Animal Kingdom, or are you going to jump to a different park? Um, I'm going to jump to uh, Magic Kingdom. I was looking there uh, too. Like you, may, <laughs> you may or may not have this on your uh, list. It, it's one that I think if you haven't been on it in a while, like a few years, and you haven't seen the refurbishment that was done, it probably wouldn't make the list. But um, Peter Pan's Flight. I actually considered it and didn't put it on my list. So Okay, awesome. We have <laughs> one. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's just I remember – uh, going on it when I was younger and just thinking that the lineup was always very long and not that it was a bad cue. It just didn't have as much for me to look at. And then going on it later, um, and seeing like all the, all the changes that they did with it. 
I was I was just really impressed. I'm I could see like Disney's heading more towards a lot of like interactive cues, whether it be like an actual interaction or just something that you can read or learn from, um, like Everest, I guess. But uh, I thought that the way that Peter Pan's flight did it was really awesome, and especially for kids going through that queue, I think they'd really love it. But um, I, I just love that, like, when you go in, um, you go into, like, the gallery area, and uh, that part's really nice, but then it really surprises you when they show you how, like, the queue is contributing to the whole story. And if you go on like, uh, Peter Pan's flight, I guess you don't, you don't really remember what happens, um, like before they meet Peter Pan and how the parents are going out. And it's really cool that like, you could see the parents getting ready and you could see like Nana stuck outside and you remember, oh yeah, that's, that's part of the movie. That's part of like the storyline. Um, and then quickly they switch you from like being outside of the house, looking in, so you're in the house, looking out and, uh, you could see, the tower and um, the kid's bedroom. And I love when you could see like Tink bouncing around everywhere through everything. That's so cool. And even just like she, I think there's one part that she like knocks, I don't know if it's a lamp or a light, but then it actually wobbles a little bit. So I thought that was really cool. Cause they try Like it makes you believe it's more than just a light that's moving around the room. It, it kind of convinces you. Um, the interactive shadows are super cool. Uh, that, that was something that probably impressed me one of the most it's like you can actually become Peter Pan and then you get to see like Peter Pan's shadow and just just all the bedrooms that are there um it's it's so well done to the movie and I think it sets up the ride and like doesn't place you in the middle of the movie but starts you from the beginning using the cue to do that and then once you get on the ride you kind of get into the action part of the movie so I just thought it it creates a really good beginning to end for the ride itself it does and you're right when it was and I, I honestly have only done it <clears throat> once with the new queue. And um, historically, when I think about Peter Pan's flight, I do think about having to wait in that long switchback queue that's half outside. So it's still kind of hot, especially in the summer. Um, but I do love how they now thinking about how to expand upon that concept, you know, literally expanded the queue and incorporated those show elements and did incorporate air conditioning into it as well. So part of it's going to be outside. A lot of it's still going to be inside and it's really, it's a great answer. Um, I, I do love what they've, uh, how they've updated it. And I only hope they do that for other fantasy land attractions too, because a lot of them still could use a little bit of an update in that sense. Um, but I will stick with magic kingdom. I only have two, believe it or not, at Magic mm-hmm. Kingdom. I have more at Epcot and uh, even Hollywood Studios and Animal Kingdom. But I'm trying to decide which way to go with this one. Uh, I will go to... Uh, I have to say Space Mountain between okay. these two. I was thinking, I was wondering if you were going to bring this one up. So I, I want to hear like the reasonings. Yeah. <laughs> it, I think a lot of this for me is the nostalgia of the feelings I had being a kid with Space Mountain more so than if my first time riding it was as an adult, I don't know if I would have the same type of enthusiasm for it, but still I do love certain elements of it. So one of the things I like is again, that transition. And that is one of the things that Imagineers, like we said, always have to consider when they're Building attractions, especially large attractions, is how that queue experience, and even before, in some cases, you enter the queue, how that experience transitions you into the story. And for me, although visually 
I enjoy the transition of entering this starport boarding area as if it's the front of an airport with the listings of the all the places you can go and the departures. And then through this space tunnel where you see the stars on the sides and as you're walking, the the way that the windows are shaped makes it look like the stars are moving as you're walking past them. And then again, you pass this wall with all these destinations and then you walk through. I actually love the next part of the queue as, as a kid when we would pass by these larger windows looking into space. And as you would walk past, you would see the like a planet like gradually get closer to you and and move away from you as you're walking um so i love that but the transition i enjoy more believe it or not is the audio um because when you first enter the tomorrowland music is very bright and optimistic and it does have that futuristic tone to it but it, it still is bright and optimistic and space mountain is supposed to feel a little bit more uh like um not necessarily ominous but give you this sense it, it kind of does give you a sense of anxiety like it's a big roller coaster so um even though if you were to look at it from the outside it's actually not a big roller coaster <laughs> but uh the when you enter the queue uh and again if if those of you listening have not heard the music uh i'll try to see if i can link to some youtube videos or something in the in the description but it starts with this it's just a three minute song um because you're probably not going to be in this part of the queue for very long but this bright, optimistic song. And then as you walk down, which literally takes you underneath the railroad, um, and then back up, the my favorite part of the queue is more spacey sounding. And the way they transition you with audio is in the tunnel that leads to that as you go down. And they literally combine the song, that bright, optimistic song you heard with now these space tones. And it sounds like what you were, where you just were is slowly, you know, now you're now slowly leaving it behind and you're entering someplace new and someplace that's not quite Tomorrowland. Um, And I just love how that audio, if you really listen to it, whether you're in the queue or not, does transition you very well very smartly and just very like almost subconsciously and from not only the physical place but the feeling that you have from Tomorrowland to the entrance to Space Mountain I will say admittedly I do miss although I like the fact that Space Mountain is now darker I do miss being able to when you're in the load area see the coaster hear the screams from the ride and when the rocket still had this neon glow to them you could still see them moving through the attraction it excited you even more for what you're going to do but i think now it's a better better storytelling it makes it feel less like a roller coaster and more like a rocket journey through space so that is why i love it and then of course the exit kind of does the same thing and gradually transitions you back to tomorrowland but you feel like even though you're right there in tomorrowland you feel like you've just entered someplace totally different so for me that's why i love space mountains queue yeah, it is a great queue. Um, I thought you might mention it, and you mentioned a reason why I like it. The, like, the reason that I think I like Space Mountain's queue the most is, um, yeah, the audio is so great. I listen to the audio on my spare time, as I'm sure you do as well. I do. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, it, it has really great audio, and it definitely does the whole transition thing really great. I, I love the second part of the queue, like the exit queue, especially as a kid, um, like – seeing uh when like when you could see yourself um in like in the queue through like the cameras that they have yeah 
that part's super cool. Um, and I always see like little kids kind of like trying to jump to like be above the belt to, to see themselves. Um, so that part's really awesome. Uh, I feel like every time I go on space mountain, I rarely ride that ride without a fast pass just because of the weight that it, it usually entails. Yeah. So I, I, I always like miss the, the way that like the audio would impact you if you were going at a slower speed. So I'd like to try that again so that I could kind of feel the way that the audio is supposed to impact what you're seeing, um, and like moving around and everything. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely a great cue and indoors it's like dark in there. So if it's really sunny and you're sweating, I think it calms you down from like the hustle and bustle inside the, of like the magic kingdom. So for sure, it can be a, a big rest period, even though you may be in line for a while, it definitely is like a relaxing line, not a crazy chaotic one. Absolutely. And I will say that, you know, you still can get that transition even in fast pass, but you're right. It is a bit slower. And while I appreciate the interactive games that they've added to the queue, uh, because especially if you're with kids, uh, it could be, it could be a lot to wait in that line and, and not, um, have something to distract you. But, you know, like when I was a kid, I didn't have an iPhone because they didn't exist. I didn't have, uh, you know, there were no interactive games. I literally had to sit there or stand there and not only think about like all everything around me and how it was impacting my feelings about the coaster, but also think about the roller coaster itself and think about the attraction and just like it, it built up so much anxiety before I even got on the ride, having to wait. And in that part of the queue, you can hear the, uh, the coaster lift because it's on the uh, the opposite end of the building where after going through the strobe tunnel it turns around and then it goes up the lift. So I would have to hear the the clanking of the roller coaster. I think kids now are distracted with the game, so they don't really have to listen to that or think or notice that it's there. But I do remember that as a kid, like, all right, we're still gonna do this. That's all the way another thirty minutes thinking about it, and then we're gonna do it. Um, but uh, it's still obviously it's it's still a great cue. Yeah. I agree with that because even um, like I feel like I since we didn't start going on that ride with the games on it, I, I just I never even try playing any of the games when I'm in the lines. But maybe maybe that's something that I'm missing out on and I should see like what Disney has done. But uh, I, I think I just like like you said, I prefer to to just go in the queue and see what the queue has to offer more than be looking at my phone for some more time. But that's just me. And I like to look at the details. So, uh, yeah, I guess that's just my opinion. It might be different for a kid who doesn't want to look at details for too long. So I can understand the perspective of, of like, liking that. <laughs> yeah, of course. It, it always is going to depend on the, uh, the person and their level of interest in whether, whether it's their surroundings or again, like it's, it depends on if you think of it as a, as a cue, a part of the experience or a line that you just have to wait. And, um, so, do you have anything else at Magic Kingdom? Um, I, yes, yes, I do. Um, I have two, although one, I don't know if I, like, it's more of a honorable mention, but I'm going to say my, my one that, that I love, which I don't know if you have it as well, but, um, the Haunted Mansion queue. I don't. Um, we have different answers for Magic Kingdom. I have a different thing for Magic Kingdom. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, so I actually have a some other ones too, but sorry, I'm going to continue on the haunted mansion. No, no, go for uh, it. So I guess the reason that I chose to, to include this queue, um, 
the the part of like the the haunted mansion queue when you get into the line if you're stuck in the stanchions that part i don't think is too interesting like before you even make it to um the interactive areas or like the graveyards or like the different tombstones that part i i don't i'm like i'm not particularly in love with but i think once you do get to like the tombstones i've loved the tombstones and something that i don't know how i missed this but um all of the like there's there's like a murder mystery in the queue um and that's i think that's just so cool and it's now become my favorite part of the queue the fact that they have that in there um it with all of the heads and like just i started looking more into the story of this murder mystery and it's um if you haven't seen it before it's uh, the I believe it's five heads, but then there's a set of twins. So um, it's going to be the like this family and how someone was killed. And you're kind of trying to figure out, basically everyone, all of them are dead, but you're trying to figure out who killed who and what weapon they used to kill um, each member of the family. And when I looked more into it, it's it's all because they, they want to inherit um, all of this money. And um, the first thing that uh, someone dies from i believe it's a yeah it's on her no it's oh yeah uh uncle jacob is who you start with and he's the one that has everything and um he has like he was killed by poison and the poison was called greed which is kind of like what the whole thing is about and i just think it's such an interesting um way to spend your time in line if you ever want to do it you can start with uh yeah uncle jacob he's one of the central ones and he's kind of holding all of this stuff. He has the most stuff on his little headstone and um, you can, you just read what his has to say. And then from what he was killed with, which you can kind of understand was poison. You look on the other epitaphs of the other headstones and you can see like, there's a little emblem that would represent the murder weapon, almost like you're playing clue. Uh, and that would be the next one you jump to and you can see like, Oh, this person killed that person, but that person also died. So who killed that person? And, um, when you get to the end, uh, you realize that the last person, I don't want to ruin it, but, um, the last person was, was killed by a fire, but there's no one left to kill to, to that could have killed this person. So I was always wondering like, who did this? And I didn't want to Google it because I wanted to figure it out. Um, and I asked a cast member one day, um, could you just give me a clue? Uh, and they said, don't take everything at face value. I didn't understand what that meant. But um, once you move around to different parts of the cues, you can see like the backsides of these heads. And on the backsides of one of these people, you can, you can see um, the matches that are holding up someone's hair. And that's, that's definitely how that person went up in flames. So that, that part was super cool and um just the 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 pre-show that they have i think is one of the best pre-shows that disney has to offer like the stretching room um it's it's kind of fun with the paintings but also involves like a really big scare at the end if you're not expecting it or if you have kids maybe don't get them to look up at the end when your ghost host is talking or else you're gonna see the ghost host um but for adults and for someone who wants a little bit of a jump scare in like a haunted ride that isn't too scary. Um, I think it, it gives a little bit of a thrill. So um, I really like that. And then I love that once you actually enter the house, they still have like the theming of the house. And it's similar to the Tower of Terror where it's like this dirty abandoned um, like place, which which I think is super cool. Um, and I, I always get really immersed by them. And I don't know if this is part of the queue. I don't know if we'd consider it, but 
just the cast members who are standing in the queue. They're some of my favorite cast members. I've had people be so like dark, scary and not rude, but like mean in a, in an ominous sort of way. Yeah. So that part I think really heightens the ride when you get a really like strong, I guess this is for any sort of ride, but especially I think on the haunted mansion, when you get a really strong cast member kind of like loading you into your doom buggy, that could definitely like enhance the experience and get you pumped to go on the ride. Absolutely. I think the cast members are completely part of the experience. And it's interesting. I think that's why I didn't have Haunted Mansion on my list is because I didn't know all of that, um, which is why I love talking to other Disney fans who also, you know, are inquisitive about the backstories of everything because I, I really didn't know that. Um, and now next time I ride Haunted Mansion, I am absolutely going to be paying more attention to all of that. And I think that will make it an even better queue experience. That's so cool. Yeah, I, I did. I didn't know about it for so long. And then when I found it out, I was like, oh, my gosh, that's so cool. And just the backstory of everything. And like, if you actually look at like the family tree of all of these people, why someone would want to kill someone else and how that would make them inherit the money. It's just it's it's like another another way um, like Disney Imagineers have done their job. Well, I think. Absolutely. Um, so I think what I'm going to do for the sake of time is challenge us to pick our last two okay. and then we'll go to our honorable mentions. Um, sort of like a rapid fire. So uh, I'm trying to decide. I think I'm going to leave some of the, the, the odd stuff, the, the stuff out of left field for my honorable mentions, but um, <clears throat> I am going to leave you open for another big one still. Um, no, I thought I would think I was leaving this one for you. <laughs> uh, do you want me to say it? <laughs> yeah, go for it. I feel like you're better at talking about it than I will be. <laughs> well, I don't know. I, we'll see. Is it Flight of Passage? Yeah. yeah. That was the big elephant in the room. Yeah. Uh, I think that, uh, no pun intended, or pun intended for Animal Kingdom, yeah. um, but there's no elephants in Pandora. So the, the big uh, Leonopteryx, I forgot how you pronounce it in the room. Uh, the, uh, so I obviously, I, I've only, I haven't done this quite as many times as I've done something like Space Mountain or, uh, you know, Haunted Mansion or any of that, but it is of course the newest attraction queue. I do believe when Galaxy's Edge opens that their queues are going to probably blow Flight of Passage queue out of the water, but regardless, it's still an incredible queue. I watched a video I forgot I would give credit if I could remember which, who put the video up, but um, it talked about the uh, Imagineering behind the queue itself, and it's the same story of the transition from Pandora, from the Valley of Mawara, into the, um, the RDA facility that you're going to walk into, but I appreciate how a lot of it is indoors so even if it is a three-hour wait you can still very likely be spending most of that time inside as opposed to outside but the queue begins in the valley of moara and one of those subtle details i learned that i actually didn't pay attention to and i'm glad i discovered it or you know that i learned about it was the fact that the queue outside is very curvy there are no straight lines even the the rails are kind of bent and everything feels a little more wild but when you walk into the building 
Um, for the RDA facility, it is more straight lines. Even the queue kind of winds back and forth more rectangular than the rest of the queue. Um, and then similarly, when you exit, the RDA facility is very like, you know, has, has these sharp corners and is very straight and, um, you know, almost, uh, manicured. It's very, uh, precise like it like the landscape has been manipulated as opposed to when you go back outside everything is just it winds and meanders and goes with the 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 natural environment so that's one element to it um i remember when we went for the my first time for the first time went on it and when we entered the cave seeing all the details the the fingerprints that are there and you can actually tell which ones are avatars and which ones are navi based on the number of fingers that they have i'll just leave that as a clue um and then when you turn this corner and enter the rda facility and how the sounds change the atmosphere changes the, the whole feeling changes but even though it's still a facility it's looked like it's been abandoned and taken over again by nature. Um, and it constantly balances the whole experience balances, uh, natural environment with manipulating the natural environment. Um, so that, that transition is, is so smart. You don't really have cue music, but still the experience is entertaining. Um, there's a lot of hidden details in there. Uh, and then when you enter the lab, I mean, there's just so much to look at in there. Uh, and then, of course, the animatronic for the avatar is impressive. It, it still blows me away how incredible that is. Um, I love how even though they don't tell you what the experience is like when you enter that next room and you see that they're tracking banshees, um, that you sort of get the feeling like, all right, so there's something involving, I know it's, I know it's sort of like feels like flying, but I guess now we're involving banshees. Um, and then entering into the queue. And of course, I mean, entering into the pre-show and the pre-shows are awesome. Um, I love how the pre-shows vary depending on, uh, how backed up the attraction is. Uh, mm-hmm. so, cause they do enter into different rooms for the same show. So depending on which, loads completely first you're going to get a longer pre-show experience than if you're one of the last rooms to load you're going to get a shortened pre-show experience they might cut out the uh um pandora uh parasite part of it um or you might get that if you're in the longer experience um and it feels very real and that whole experience really does feel very real um and without like directly telling you what the experience is that whole process of getting you to now flying on a banshee is just so smart, so well done. Um, so that's for me again, story because of the story and the details that paint it, it is one of the best cues. Yeah. I like, I, I agree with everything you just said. It's, I think it's like, it's a cue that like warrants the three hour wait time that you're, you may for have sure. To endure it. It tells you a story. Um, like I love how you start from like that cave and then you move into like the RDA facility, but you could kind of see how it's been like, like you said, taken over. And even the first time, um, there's, there's a point where you kind of go into this like bioluminescent biosphere. Um, and you can see, I, I thought it was just so beautiful that I didn't even realize that like, it was just all of these like different plants and stuff that were taking over like sewage lines and like, 
different pipes and stuff. I, it didn't even click into me that like it was combining man-made and um, like what was natural and what's happened over like the past hundred years. Uh, so I thought that that was just so well done. Cause once you realize it, you start to like, you see the progression of how everything's changed, which is so smart. Um, I, I love seeing like little Easter eggs of like, uh, you, you probably wouldn't notice the first time you go around, but if you research the queue a little bit and then go back onto it, you could see like James Cameron's birthdays um, are, are close to uh, like our, not birthdays, just his one birthday uh, <laughs> <laughs> listed um, like in the, the mining facility area and just, uh, yeah, I think him and like some of the other creators, their handprints are um, on some of the handprints of like the Avatar and Navi in the cave area. So just seeing like little bits of that always get me um, excited to see how like the creators are involved in like the cues and how they leave their mark. But yeah, it's just awesome. The The pre-show always like makes me laugh. Um, yeah. The actor, uh, I, I was trying to like see the if you when you go on it, he's he's kind of looks like a little awkward scientist, which I think maybe what what they were going for. But it always oh, totally. just gives me a chuckle every time I see it, um, especially if you have that extended cue, you kind of see him be awkward for even longer, um, which I've come to enjoy at this point. So it's not a negative for me at all. <laughs> Yeah, I do love if it's really delayed to your point and you're like one of the first in the pre-show room, first pre-show room that's loaded and then there's no, like there's some backup in another pre-show room in, in your in your theater that um, he has the uh, like the link error, which is, it is funny unless it lasts a long time because I've actually, actually saw a video where it did last like three minutes, but um, if you get that experience, it's just, it's just hilarious. Like, hmm, I'll be right back. Yeah. <laughs> and you like have the standby system they're trying to link back up so it's it's interesting yeah i think it's cool that at least they did they tried to do something like they even like thought about how to like embed a delay into the storyline so that's something that's cool I, I don't think maybe i'm wrong i don't think i've ever seen that done i don't think it is I, i'm pretty yeah. sure that's the only attraction because the only attraction that warrants needing that yeah um, true because <clears throat> otherwise they want like for Soren, for instance, once the the ride starts like a minute or two later, they know the pre-show is going to start and there's not going to be a delay for the ride because it's, it's time to end at a certain point after it begins, of course. So like unless it breaks down. So uh, most attractions are timed perfectly with the, the show. Mm-hmm. With this one, you have to leave a little wiggle room for uh, for error to make the experience feel more intimate and not have. Uh, you know, like 180 people packed into one pre-show. Um, so, so yeah, of course, like, like you said, we both have that on our list, but uh, is there any big one on your list that we have not talked about that you think deserves a spot in the uh, top 10? Um, just one. I'm going to say it quickly for time's sake, but yeah. uh, Midway Mania. I have that on my list. Yeah. Um, it's, it's like, I don't know. I, that, it's it's such an awesome cue. There's so much color involved. Literally any game you could have played as a child is in that cue. Um, I, I love the like how you're kind of toy size. Just the fact that all the ceilings are different, like board games, and even when you um, get to go onto the ride, like the lights that are strung up, and you're in Andy's room, and it really like shrinks you. Uh, like I read that it could make like a like the average size man um, feel like 14 inches tall or something. So wow. um, I 
definitely smaller than the average size man in height. So <laughs> I feel like I'm two inches tall, but, uh, um, it's, I, I think it's just, it's such an awesome cue, especially like the audio animatronic of Mr. Potato Head. If you're not going through the fast pass line, you get to see him. Well, you could see him through the fast pass line, but just kind of like through the cracks. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I just think that there's so much detail in it. Just like even looking at everything in there is some sort of a toy. So it's like they, they, nothing looks like it. It's, it's not supposed to be in like a toy box. So that part to me is super cool. Absolutely. I agree. And that, like I said, that's one of them that I had on my list for those same reasons, all the details that are in the queue. Um, and even the load area, you do feel like you're in Andy's bedroom, but you're the size of a toy. Um, so it's all, all really well done. Um, so great answers. I, I, I'm amazed as always at how long Disney fans can talk about one specific thing. So I feel um, like we can go for hours. I know we could walk through like literally like, let's talk about the, you know, let's talk about the Carousel of Progress queue. Cause it does technically have a queue. We talk about yeah. three shows and all that. But um, I do want to run through my honorable mentions, and I'm curious to hear which ones you have. But I don't have that many left because uh, I did try to keep it kind of to a, believe it or not, a small list. Mm-hmm. So for <clears throat> the only one I didn't mention at Magic Kingdom was Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, me too. Uh, for Epcot, I have two I didn't mention. So the one that's out of left field, just like the American Adventure and for the same exact reasons, is Reflections of China. Oh. Um. It's the same idea that you can kind of explore, and the temple that you walk into is beautiful. Um, sometimes you do have entertainments in there as well. Uh, they have a, um, I forgot the instrument that that, that they play, but they, um, they do have a musician come out and play an instrument for you, a, a traditional Chinese instrument, and it's just beautiful. Um, and you can walk into the terracotta army uh, section of the queue. Um, and it's, again, same idea, just kind of walk around and explore rather than waiting in a single file line. Um, and so that at Epcot and Mission Space are the only two I have at Epcot. Did you have any others at Epcot? Um, I had like, it was, um, I, I, I don't even, I don't know if I even mentioned it as an honorable mention, but one that I was like thinking between was Test Track. But um, just because I think like, I like designing the car. I think that part's fun, especially for people who haven't done it before. Yeah. Um, but for Epcot, um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't have a huge amount. So I think it's really cool that you even um, mentioned uh like the other, like the other shows that you can go in and see like those, those different cues. Cause, uh, I've never even heard the instrument being played in, in the China. It's queue. rare. Yeah. yeah. So that's, that's something I'd want to be on the lookout for future visits. Definitely check it out. I don't know if there's a specific time. I'm sure if you ask a cast member, they might be able to tell you, but it's, it's really great. Um, when that does happen. Uh, Hollywood Studios, I know we mentioned Tower of Terror and Toy Story Mania. The only one I have on my list that was not mentioned was Star Tours. Mm-hmm. I agree. That it was one, like, it's one that I, I didn't put it down, but it was one that I thought about. Um, yeah. I'm just looking. Yeah, I had Pirates for Magic Kingdom, and I, I think I made it sound like that was the only one I had left for Magic Kingdom. But um, I, another one that I had was... Uh, I don't think it's too great for me, but I think for kids, it definitely is awesome for Dumbo, the flying elephant. I thought about putting that one too, for the same reason. Yeah. Cause like, I, I think when I, the last time I went on it, they didn't have that pager system. So when I learned that they had that and that you can wait inside of like the tent there and, and like 
relax in there. I feel like for parents, that's probably so amazing because they get to just like chill out. Um, oh, I guess I, I'll quickly explain that. Um, basically you wait in a line and they give you a pager and while you're, while you have the pager, you're allowed to go into this like little kitty play area, but it's really well themed and like, um, lit really nice, I think inside of there too. And, uh, the kids can play around and parents, there's like different seats for them to just relax on. And it kind of makes you be able to like wait in a queue that isn't actually a queue. And I know a lot of people sometimes don't want to wait in a long queue just because they don't want to waste their time at Disney. So this kind of, I feel like it balances it out because it lets you get something get, it lets you get to something that you, uh, might not have gotten to and you're still waiting at the same time. So that part I think is really cool. Um, and I feel like you mentioned a few other ones that I had. Uh, I had seven dwarfs mine train as an honorable mention as well. Uh, it wouldn't make my favorite cues, but, uh, I like when you go into, um, like the vault area, I think like the kaleidoscope effects that the barrels have are really awesome. Um, I'm, I, I, I like, I like that, that part of the queue. I think it starts to immerse you for what the ride's going to entail, but yeah, I feel like that's, we've hit them all. I feel like we have the only one I didn't mention, um, which is at animal kingdom is Kali river rapids. Oh, true. That is a long queue too. <laughs> it is. And it's all outdoors and I don't ride Kali river rapids to be honest, cause I don't like spinning. Um, and the rapids spin a little too much for me to be able to handle. So even though it's, it's slow and, and a lot of people think it's nice and calm, um, it's just too much spinning for me. So I don't ride it, but I have walked through the queue just, uh, like with other family, just so that I could experience it. And it, it's the same idea as Expedition Everest, but done in a, a different way. Um, which I'll, I'll leave that to the listeners to, uh, to try to figure out what the story for Kali River Rapids is. Uh, I know it's at the surface level, it's very obvious, but if you really start diving into it and, and experiencing it through the queue, you get to a, a deeper story, much like Expedition Everest. So, um, but yeah, I think other than that, that's a pretty complete list. And it's amazing. We, you know, there's so many attractions that we haven't even covered, but that also have incredible queues. Mm-hmm. So. I agree. Um, awesome. Well, Alessa, I'm definitely going to, like I said, leave some links in the descriptions so that the listeners can check out your YouTube page and your Instagram. And, uh, I think by the time this podcast episode airs, you know, it'll still be a relatively new channel, but, uh, like I said, I've, I've enjoyed it so far. So I'd encourage those, uh, listening to check Alessa out as well. So, thank you of course um so thanks for thanks for coming on to the show i think we'll have to have you back on again in the future hopefully this was fun Absolutely. i really great great way to start my morning <laughs> awesome same here And with that, we close out episode 38 of the Imagineer podcast. I want to give a special thanks once again to Alessa for coming out to the show and lending her thoughts and opinions about the best queue experiences at Walt Disney World. And I know that we did pick 
a few popular attractions, but there might be some queue experiences that you thought we missed that you absolutely love at Walt Disney World. And if you're a Disneyland local, I want to hear from you as well what your favorite queue experiences are there. Perhaps I'll even have to do a future episode just about Disneyland queue experiences because I have several opinions over at Disneyland as well. But whether you're talking about Walt Disney World or Disneyland, I want to hear your thoughts. What are your favorite queue experiences at any Disney park? You can send me your thoughts and feedback as always in several different ways. You can either send me a direct message on Instagram or Facebook. You can find us on both of those platforms at Imagineer Podcast. You can also also send me an email at imagineerpodcast at gmail.com. You can send me a tweet or a message over on Twitter at Imagineer Audio. Or, of course, you can leave a voicemail by calling our listener hotline, which is 516-406-8376. And I'll leave that number in the show notes below. But again, the number is 516-406-8376. Would love for you to send in a voicemail and leave some of your thoughts and opinions uh, over a voicemail message that I could play in a future episode of the Imagineer podcast. And of course, I would encourage you to join our Disney fan community, which you can find over on Facebook, which is the Imagineer podcast Disney fan community. You can search for it in your search browser, click the link in the show notes below or head to facebook.com slash Imagineer podcast. And there's a link to that Facebook group over there as well. If you send me a request to join, I will approve that notification as soon as I see it come through. And if you haven't yet taken the opportunity to rate and review the show, in iTunes. As I always say, that does so much to help our podcast to grow, which has been growing so fast. So thanks to all of you who have been sharing out the podcast. But as I said, if you uh, have not had the chance to rate and review the show, it would mean so much to me uh, for you to take the opportunity to do that. And I do want to take a moment to thank a couple of five-star reviews that came in uh, over the last couple of weeks. One comes from RaptorClaw18, which is an awesome name, who gave it five stars and said, Great for Disney fans. I find this podcast to be one of the best out there. Very informative and educational. There are episodes covering the history of Space Mountain to Indiana Jones Adventure, immersive binaural audio of attractions, which are great for reliving your favorite ride, and even tips on visiting the Disney parks. One particular episode covered the history of the attraction Horizons from Epcot, which is my favorite. There are even discussions on Disney movies and characters. I 100% recommend this podcast. RaptorClaw18, thank you so very much. Uh, And I also want to thank another user. I am honestly not going to even try to pronounce this because it's like HXJDJFJDNDJ. I wouldn't even know how to say that. But regardless, uh, thank you to HXJ. I'll just call you for leaving another five-star review uh, with the title that said, This podcast made me a podcast listener which is so amazing. Um, and partic- in particular, this uh, user wrote, I have never been that into podcasts, but I recently discovered Disney podcasts and I am head over heels in love. I have been obsessed with the Imagineer podcast lately, only listened to a couple of episodes so far, but the show is great and I can't stop listening. And then uh, this user leaves a heart and some pixie dust. Um, and I leave you a heart back. Thank you so much for that five-star review. Um, and as I said, any of you out there uh, who have not yet taken the opportunity to rate and review the show, it does so much to help our podcast to grow. And the other thing that helps, as always, is to share out the podcast, whether you share it directly on social media, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, whatever your preferred social media channel, 
channel is, or if you just uh, reach out to your friends who love all things Disney and let them know that the show exists. Every single share uh, makes a huge difference and does help our show to grow. Uh, as always, follow us on our social media channels if you don't do so already. And if there's anything that I can do to make this show and this community a better place for you, please don't hesitate to reach out and let me know. I would love to hear your thoughts and love to know how I can make this podcast, this community, a better Disney community for you. As always, thank you so much for listening. Remember that quote from Horizons, if you can dream it, you can do it. And we'll see you in a future episode of the Imagineer podcast. Attention, space travelers. Please remain seated as your flight will continue in a moment.